in the bond of peace. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, be with us now as we look at your word. We ask, please, that you'd give us your grace to put aside the distractions of the day and to help us to understand your word so that we might be compelled by Christ to change in ourselves, in our hearts, in our minds, in our actions, uh, so that you might continue uh, to build us into the community of people you would have us be. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start today by talking about two different kinds of community that the Bible talks about. On the one hand, there is what you might call the fleshly community. On the other hand, the spiritual community. Let's start with fleshly community. I I can tell you how to have a good time. You just need to get a group, take a bunch of uh, 20-year-old, 20-something snowboarders and put them all together in a room and they'll have a rollicking time, especially if they're down at the snow. Or uh, take a group of uh, 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 early 30-year-old young mums and put them in the same room without their kids and they'll have a rollicking good time talking about their kids and all of the things that go along with it. Or take a bunch of 50 to 60 year old music fans going to Bruce Springsteen, Billy Joel or fill in the gap here, whatever it is that you decide and you put them all in a room and suddenly people that don't know each other are hugging each other at the end of the concert and enjoying the time together. They'll have a great time. We can create community in this way, can't we? We can gather people together who are the same in many ways and they'll find lots of ways to find community together. They'll have a great time. This is what might be described as the fleshly community. I wonder, whenever we might go looking for a new church, and don't go looking for a new one, but if you're going looking for a new church, what would you look for? All too often, people go looking for a fleshly community. Are there people in the church community like me? Snowboarders, young mums, musicians or music lovers. Are those people there so that I fit in? This is what the Bible describes as a fleshly community. Jesus puts it this way in Luke chapter 6. If you love those who love you... What benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same thing. See, the communities that are found in our own, uh, in our own area, in our own land, are communities based on affinity. Communities based on the flesh. But this is not the community that God is building in his church. The community that God is building in his church is something much better, much grander. And it's a community that God himself is putting together. So we do not collect ourselves on the basis of our affinities. We do not collect ourselves on the basis of the things that we like, but on something completely different. It's the spiritual community. The book of Ephesians is really all about this spiritual community. It's about how the church of God fits together. I hope you've got the book of Ephesians there open in front of you because we're just going to have a quick look through the book of Ephesians and see how this book fits together. Right at the beginning, we find out in the book of Ephesians that all who are saved by Jesus, 
regardless of their background or way of life, if they've been saved by Jesus Christ, they've all been saved in exactly the same way. Chapter 1, verse 5. They've been saved by the predestining love of God. Chapter 1, verses 7 to 10. They've all been redeemed in the big cosmic plan of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Classically, chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Everyone was dead in sin and all who know Christ have been made alive in him and raised with him and seated in the heavenly realms. Everyone, Paul says, has been saved the same way. If they belong to Jesus, they have been saved the same way. And so, in the second half of chapter 2 and in all of chapter 3, Paul therefore goes on to say, if everybody has been saved through the same means, the same mechanism, the same God, then there is to be no distinction between different groupings. Of course, the big group in the ancient world was the Jew and Gentile. The Jew thought they were closer to God by way of their background and the Gentile further away. But if they've all been saved by Christ the same way, then there's no distinction. In God's sight, they are all the same. Inside the church of God, they are all the same. And as a result, the hostility that was there between these two groups has now gone. What were, now, what were once enemies are now friends. Come with me to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14. Speaking about Jesus, he says, For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. These two groups that were hostile with one another have now been brought together as one in Jesus Christ. People at opposite ends of the spectrum who hated each other and looked down on each other in their different ways have been made one new body in Christ. This is the spiritual community that God is drawing together. The Jew and the Gentile, one in Christ. And he is building them together. Look at chapter 2, verse 22. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place by God for the Spirit. This was a mystery, but now is a revealed fact. God is bringing people from all sorts of backgrounds and ways of life through being saved in exactly the same way into this new spiritual community built around Jesus Christ and around his word. We see this as we go forward through to chapter 3, which Bronwyn read for us. In chapter 3, verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And then we see it again in verse 8 of the same chapter. To me, Paul says, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone 
What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Paul preaches the message of Christ particularly to the Gentiles that they might be enfolded into the church and the church is the wisdom of God. The church is God's trophy that he's showing off to the, to the world, to the authorities in the heavenly places. He's saying, look what I can do. Through Christ, I can bring these warring parties together as one. I can bring them together as unity in Christ. This is spiritual community. This is the church community. See, it's a very different thing to having people like me having snowboarders, young mums or music fans or whatever other group we might like to carve out in our community. Anybody can make those communities. That's not something amazing God can do. Anybody can get together with snowboarders, young mums, musicians, whatever else, but those communities would exist even if God didn't exist. Those communities would exist even if Jesus never died or rose again. But Jesus did die and rise again, creating this brand new community that nobody else would would create except God himself. There are only two great Dons. Don Bradman, great cricketer, terrible theologian as far as I understand it. And Don Carson, who's the opposite, terrible cricketer, although I've never seen him, but let's just assume he is. He came up with this quote. This is what he says. Ideally, the church itself is not made up of natural friends. It's made up of natural enemies. What binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs or anything of the sort. Christians come together not, before, not because they form a natural connection, but because they've been saved by Jesus Christ and owe him a common allegiance. This community that God is creating by his spirit because of what Jesus has done makes the powers and authorities in the spiritual places stand up and take notice. When Jesus dies for us, he unites us together as brothers and sisters from all sorts of backgrounds, Jew and Gentile, people from the political right and the political left, people who are young and old, people who are well-dressed and not so well-dressed, And any other distinction you wish to provide. Jesus delivers this community to us when he dies and rises again for us. And yet, we so often fall back into looking for community in all of the fleshly ways. But the fleshly communities that we can create are not compelling. They don't make the heavenly realms stand up and take notice and they certainly don't make the world around us stand up and take notice but what God is doing does make those people stand up and take notice so what are we to do about this well first of all we need to understand that God has delivered this to us in Christ we don't have to do anything to achieve this community he has already delivered it to us But in the words of Ephesians, we need to maintain it. Look at chapter 4, verse 3. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We don't create it, but we maintain it. 
We were privileged enough to get Jarrah a card not long after she got her pea plates. Uh, and it's a nice little mini. It's out in the backyard there. She loves it. It's great. Uh, but we bought it for her. She didn't buy it. But just recently, with all the wind and all the things that have been happening, there's lots of bits and pieces on her car and making it dirty. Well, she didn't like that very much. So last week, she took the car out into the backyard and she washed the car. She maintained it. It looks great now for a little while till it's under that tree again. But she maintained it. She didn't get it, but she maintained it. And we must do the same thing with the church of God, the spiritual community that God has given to us. And so as we finish together this morning, I want to share with you seven things, seven reflections that we often get wrong, but we must change our minds about when it comes to spiritual community so that we may maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now, these are probably fairly controversial. So if you want to ask a question about it, slido.com, hashtag HBSP. I'll answer a few when this is done. So I want to talk about how we might destroy spiritual community and then uh, uh, contrast that with what we should do instead. Seven things, and we'll go quickly. Number one, if you want to destroy spiritual community, focus on your similarities instead of the communion given to us by God. Many people, when they walk into a church community, they want to ask, where's the young adult group? Where's the young mum Bible study group? Where's the style of music that fits for me? Where are the young professionals that I can get on with? And while we all understand that those things are not wrong, it's it's okay to have natural friendships, that's not a spiritual community. That's not what God is doing. God is bringing people from various different backgrounds of all different shapes and sizes and uniting them in Christ. We must not go looking for fleshly community. It undermines the gospel. We do this all the time, don't we? We try to build things around the people we get on with. That's understandable. In fact, it's easy to build a church in that sort of way. To try and put on specific groups that fit specific groups of people. But the church of God is not to be built this way. Yes, we might use those specific groups for the cause of mission in order to reach out to people. But in order to build the church, we must integrate those who have come in through those specific groups into the general group of the church. Because God is is binding people in Jesus. God is uniting people in Jesus. The gospel is undermined when we focus on our fleshly similarities instead of what we have together in Christ. This means for us that our connections in the church will be ever more rich because we are focusing our connection on Christ, not our stage of life or whatever else we've got on. So if we want to destroy spiritual community, we'll focus on our similarity, but we must not do that. Instead, we must focus on the communion given to us in Jesus. Secondly, if we want to destroy spiritual community, we'll focus on finding me rather than finding others. This flows out of the previous point. You see, the orientation of Christ is that he so loved the or the, the Father so loved the world that he sent his son into the world. It's a, a movement from in to out. And, and this is the movement of the gospel, moving from in to out. Uh, but so often whenever we go into into the world, into a local community or into a church community, uh, we are a bit insecure. 
We desire to find people that are like us. And we want people to be like, like me, my type of people. But I hope you can see that that's not gospel priorities. Gospel priorities doesn't say, come to me and find someone like me. It says, I'm going out like Christ has gone into the world. And so I don't look for people that are like me. If I find them, great. But I look instead for what God is doing in the lives of others, whatever their background, whatever their situation, whatever type of people they are. And we take glory in what God is doing in the community of, of, uh, of the church, pulling people from all backgrounds into a fellowship together in Christ. So if you want to destroy spiritual community, focus on finding me. But instead we should turn and try and find others and commune with them in Christ. Thirdly, and this is related as well, if we want to destroy spiritual community, we should focus on friendship. But instead we should focus on fellowship. Again, it's often said, I don't have many friends here, whatever that may be. Sometimes people say that in the church community. But we must ask ourselves, what are we looking for? Are we looking for our own tribe that we can, we can run with? But the connecting bonds of our faith in Jesus is exactly that, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We must not elevate any other connecting bonds to a greater and higher standard than the connecting bonds we have in Christ Jesus ourselves. That is called fellowship. It is much better and deeper and grander than friendship because it's something that God is doing. See, the fact that God would outwardly in Christ go into the world and save the world and draw Jew and Gentile together and all of us from different backgrounds together is an orientation of outwardness. And for us... We must focus instead on fellowship rather than friendship, building that bond of fellowship in Christ, talking together about the things of Christ in our lives, talking together about the impact of Christ in our lives and elevating our bond in Jesus to the number one position. We must focus on fellowship, not friendship. Fourthly, if we want to destroy spiritual community, we must focus on what I can get out of it rather than what I can put into it. Last week, Matt asked us in that uh, silly game at the beginning that we played where I wasn't beautiful, but where we talked about uh, uh, who likes to give a gift versus who likes to receive a gift. Now, the majority of the people there on the day preferred to give a gift. That's a lovely thing, isn't it? It's a lovely thing to be a giving group of people. But again, as we enter a church community, it's all too easy to start to say, what is it that I receive from this community? Do I receive those, those things that I'm after, the, ticks, the, the tick boxes, the, the, the checklist? As you know, I say this all the time, but one of the things I say to the youth group over and over again, when you go to university and you move to a country town and the only people in the country town are 15, 90-year-old ladies, but the church teaches the Bible, you need to go to that church. It doesn't tick any of your other boxes. You don't get anything else from it, but you can give. You can give. See, the community of the gospel is outward focused, outward facing, towards the other person. 
Community is built by what I give as we maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And so those preferences that we so love to have in our church community, they're fine, but they're secondary. Questions of age or stage of life or music or subculture or who else is here and all of that, but that's not spiritual community. We must focus on what we can give, not what we can get. Fifthly, there's only three to go. If we want to destroy spiritual community, we will focus on concealing our sin, our hardship and our struggles. Sin, hardship and struggles so often don't have a place in the church of God. It's strange, isn't it? Well, it's strange until you think about it. What does it mean for an Australian to have it all together? Well, you give the appearance that nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. No worries. It's one of our sayings, isn't it? She'll be right. She'll be right. Success in our culture is defined by having it all together. And this can bleed its way into the church of God, but it's the wrong way of looking at the world. Christian success is not about having it all together. Christian success is about the opposite. Realising that you don't have it all together and you need to rely on Christ for all that you have. We know that in our theology, but it's hard in our practice. We're swimming in a culture that tells us, have it all together. And so we come into the church of God and conceal our sin and hardship and struggle. But that does not build community. It's not building the spiritual community. You see, we're all saved the same way, dead in sin, but made alive in Christ Jesus. And so instead of concealing, we confess. We confess our sin, our hardship and our struggle. And yes, we do it corporately together, but it's important for us to do it individually as well. Not to everyone necessarily, but to at least a few trusted people. Why do we do this? Because the bonds of the Christian faith are are deepened when we realise that the person next to us needs Jesus just as much as I do. And so we confess our sins, our hardships and our struggles. Sixthly, how to destroy spiritual community. Uh, We focus on what I find hard about the community. Here's the problem with Christian community. People are sinners. They hurt us. They annoy us. They offend us, they sin against us, and sometimes they make us feel awkward. And I'm guessing, I've been here nearly 12 years in this church, that I've done almost all of those to almost all of you. Hurt you, offended you, annoyed you, whatever. That's true. And unfortunately, this leads many people to withdraw from the the community that God is putting together and and turn the church into an activity that happens. Just an event of a sermon or event of a piece of music and then in and out straight away and no community amongst the people of God. I'm not spending time with those people because they might hurt or annoy or offend or sin against me. But that is the risk of church community, but also it's joy. You see, the joy of church community is when someone hurts you or annoys you or offends you, you have the opportunity to extend the forgiveness that Christ has given to us to that other person. But if we're closed... We never have that opportunity to share that forgiveness and grace and reconciliation with others. And you might say, well, I've tried it and I'm never doing it again. And Jesus says, when you've forgiven once, keep forgiving. When you've forgiven seven times, keep forgiving. When you've forgiven 77 times, keep forgiving. What binds us together is Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he gives to us. 
we all find Christian community hard, but we must persevere. Or else we destroy what God is putting together. Finally, we focus, uh, the way to destroy spiritual community is to focus too much on the community and not on Jesus and what he's done amongst us. Over summer, I occasionally will ride Kel's paddleboard out on Lake Tiberi, and it's great fun. But it took me a while to learn the paddleboard. Uh, one thing about the paddleboard is when you stand on the paddleboard, you immediately want to look down <clears throat> and see where you're up to in the water. But as soon as you look down into the water, you're gone. You fall off straight away. So the best thing to do is not focus on the board, but focus on the horizon. Focus forward, and then the paddling becomes so easy, and it's beautiful. And sometimes we can say in the church community, oh, there's this problem and that problem and that problem. And believe me, as a pessimist, I know what those problems are. But when we focus on the community too closely, we lose our balance and fall off. Instead, we focus on what Christ is doing in our own lives, but not in our own little cone of silence, in the lives of others as well. And this is the spiritual community God is building amongst us. Well, I understand that in many ways this sermon has had a corrective uh, uh, impact to it. But it needs to. The church in the Western world has been built on affinities for many years instead of the spiritual community God is building in Christ. Why do we need to correct these things? Because what God is doing in Christ in drawing people together is utterly compelling. It, It makes the authorities in the heavenly realms stand up and take notice What else in the world does that? And it makes the world around us stand up and take notice too. Our first reading that Nina brought to us says exactly that in John chapter 13. When the world around sees the spiritual community acting in the way that it should, they will know that God is amongst us. We are to be that spiritual community. The manifold wisdom of God. And we don't have to build it, we just have to maintain it, maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We are the community of God's people and we maintain it by finding our unity in Christ above all other things. It's compelling, it's beautiful and it's from God. I'm going to give us a moment or two to maybe compose a question. You might like to go to Slido and do that just now. I'm going to give us uh, maybe 90 seconds or so. You might have a lot of questions about that, uh, given it's a bit controversial. So please ask a question. I'll come back in 90 seconds and answer them.
right, there's a couple of questions here. Please keep them coming in if you've got a question or two. Um, but uh, two here that are much on the same, same topic, so let me read them both together and, and try to answer them together. So Rod said, how should the peace of Christ breaking hostility, Ephesians 2, affect how we relate to people, Christians in other denominations? Why in this sense are we not one? Uh, how does and the other person has said, how does this, how does the, does the idea of different denominations that might be different in just secondary issues sit with the idea of a community centred on Christ alone? Um, they're great questions. So there's a couple of things going on here. First of all, um, denominations are, are vastly misunderstood in our country. So what happened in the Reformation is that the the, the Roman Catholic Church was teaching. Uh, uh, not by grace alone and the Reformation brought this teaching of dead, alive that you see in Ephesians 2 into, uh, into Europe largely but because it's no social media emails and all the rest of it this, this Reformation uh, happened slowly over time and so <clears throat> the Reformation Church in Germany is the Lutheran Church the Reformation Church in Switzerland became the Reformed Church the Reformation Church in England became the uh, Church of England or the Anglican Church the Reformation Church in Scotland became the Presbyterian Church and when people came to Australia they just brought whatever they brought with them so they brought their Presbyterianism with them or their Anglicanism with them in large part but also their Lutheranism and other things as well so when those, when those uh, different denominations brought with them the uh, Reformation Gospel teaching and they didn't always do that but when they did uh, they brought their denominations into Australia like the multicultural country that we live in so it's my understanding i don't know if this is exactly true but it's my understanding there's way more denominations in australia than there is in any other part of the world because of our multicultural background okay that doesn't always mean it's bad it just means they brought what they brought from their countries before there was all social media and stuff so what you find in things like katoomba conventions is uh and and beach missions and things like that is that those who share those common Reformation principles of uh, grace alone and faith alone and the, and the scriptures alone and Christ alone and all those things, uh, those people and groups can work really closely together uh, because they hold those things in common. They just happen to have brought those things from, from their different backgrounds. Uh, where it becomes uh, a little bit different and a little bit tricky is, uh, is over matters of the gospel. So back in chapter 3 verse 7, uh, of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace so it's the gospel that holds people together now in some cases and even within denominations this is where it gets really tricky uh, there are um, uh, there are such significant problems that the gospel has been lost so it might be called a church but the gospel has been lost a long time ago Uh, that even happens in our own Anglican church there's been big issues in the church of England just this week that show that for a large part the gospel has left the church of England Uh, it's terrible worth praying about Uh, but it's a horrible thing that's happened in that particular environment Uh, but uh, what we must do is unite around the gospel now does that mean we need to be all in the same church at the same time well no it doesn't mean we all have to do that uh, because frankly that's impossible we're not all going to go to kind of homebush stadium every Sunday to meet and so there are going to be different gatherings around the place at different times Um, so I think that's the the unity that we have in the gospel of Christ uh, and uh, and I think that's probably the best way to, to look at it. Those churches are certainly centred on Christ alone and are united together in Christ. Last question that's here from Broman. I would imagine that the community must be absolutely grounded on the solid rock of the gospel 
for this behaviour to build the church community. Absolutely. That's the one thing we hold together as the most important and the thing that unites us together. The problem in, uh, in, in churches over the years is the most important thing is musical taste that fits me or uh, young adults ministry up here or what, uh, young mum stuff or snowboarders or all those examples I made. They become the most important things by default and I go looking for them and then if I can get this other stuff, I'll get that as well. But it must be the solid ground of the church community to be on about the gospel of Christ. And the good news is that is compelling. That's compelling. And the video we showed earlier would indicate that we're doing okay. We're on the track. We just need to keep working at it to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning about the compelling community that Christ is building amongst us. And we thank you so much uh, that in this place uh, we continue to work on that. We continue to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And there is such a diversity and a love for you and your word. But we pray, please, that these uh, correctives from your word might allow uh, that fleshly community to move to one side and the spiritual community to stay right in our focus so that we in this place might be a compelling people to the powers and authorities in the heavenly places, but also to the world around us, that they might see us as a compelling community to belong to and to integrate into and to know Christ as a part of. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing our final song, everyone. So please stand.